Monday, Cyber Monday, November 29th, episode 135 of the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. OT, OT, you never get much love when you go OT. Somehow I caught myself watching like five, six quarters of overtime over this holiday weekend. A lot of it was the Lakers. So let's start there. Lakers, Kings, when was it? I, I, I'm a little jumbled up here. Was it Friday? I don't know. You, you know, you know it's, it's skewed. It was skewed. They're in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Kings, no Rashawn Holmes, no Harrison Barnes. I'm not going to act like I watched the whole game. I'm looking at the ESPN scores. There's like two minutes left. I'm like, oh, this game's tight. Let me see what's going on. I end up watching three overtimes between these two teams. Buddy Heald goes off. He ends up hitting a a KD pull-up one-footer over Braun, a couple big threes, and it was really just a circus of mistakes both ways. But the Kings, I think youth and energy won them the game. They just were the fresher team. They were more, uh, they looked a lot more athletic, to be honest with you. How about Marvin Bagley out there guarding LeBron through these overtimes? I see you, Alvin Gentry. You can see Alvin Gentry, look, it's very early on, so this is, you know, Take this with a grain of salt. we got to see a bigger sample size. But I think you can already see Alvin kind of favoring the offense over defense. Davion Mitchell's minutes down. He was nowhere to be found throughout these overtimes. Maybe it was just the matchup. There's a lot of size on the floor for the Lakers. But, you know, that's Gentry's DNA to lean into the offense. And so the Kings steal what was just a disastrous performance from the Lakers. They had LeBron. They were at full strength. And again, just enjoying listening to the Lakers telecast as they crumbled. Um, look, I know the Lakers beat Detroit last night, but that doesn't really count, right? You you got to beat Detroit by 10, 15 points. Otherwise, you shouldn't even get a W. They are. They are so – someone needs to tell Frank Jackson he's not a bucket, right? Like, I'm not even sure he's a scorer, let alone a bucket. But Detroit is bad, bad, right? Cade is really struggling. But anyway, they struggled to put away this Detroit team. And you know I always like to add context because context is everything when we discuss these things. So it's kind of a revenge game, right? Everybody's like, oh, Isaiah Stewart, LeBron. Like you would imagine on paper, like if I was a better, and I don't do that anymore, even as accessible as it is these days, you'd say, all right, Lakers got something for Detroit, right? They're coming into Staples Center. A week ago, there was all that drama and the Lakers are hungry. They need to get going here. So they're going to thump this young Detroit team. No, no, no. It was way too close for comfort, man. And so I don't think the question Lakers fans should be asking is, well, how do we pull this together? Can we get this together and start winning? I think it's, is it time to maybe pivot and make like a big trade if you could? How much could you get for LeBron or Anthony Davis? Could you send LeBron back to Miami for like Lowry, Hero, And I don't know. I don't know. I I was looking around. Could you send him back to Cleveland? That doesn't quite make sense, right? There's not enough there for him, but fuck him, right? If the Lakers are trying to load back up, maybe a Knicks deal works. Bring back Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and just recoup. Recoup. I know this sounds crazy, right? Or how about sending Anthony Davis back home to Chicago? What if you brought back Vooch, Caruso, and Patrick Williams? And you say, all right, and this is kind of under the, pre- the preference of, look, Anthony Davis is falling apart right in front of our eyes. He's never going to be the guy we need him to be. Let's, let's just get rid of him now. I know, I know, I'm talking crazy here. I'm talking crazy here. But this is the shit that was running through my mind watching this Lakers team. I don't see how this, this it, it ain't going to work, man. And the reality of the situation is, no, they're not going to trade LeBron. They're not going to trade AD. What they're going to do is they're going to fire Frank Vogel. 
That's what they're going to do. Deservedly or not. Now, some of the rotations, man, I don't know exactly what he's doing. I brought up the DeAndre thing. Um, he sat LeBron last night late in that game and, and kind of gave Detroit life. I don't know. It seems like if you look at that Bubbles season and Vogel, he, I gave him a lot of praise. I think a lot of people did for using his entire bench, right? He wasn't afraid to go to that second unit with Caruso and 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 just use te- go 10 deep. And it was like, oh, he's a coachy coach. Look at him. He's getting he's getting the best out of all these guys. He just doesn't have that depth anymore. And it kind of appears like he still wants to have it. Like he's being a little too trusting in his bench. And I don't know, man. But you know, that that's that's what's gonna happen ultimately. And I don't think it's right, but they need a scapegoat. And they're, and they're not gonna trade one of those two guys. But that's what I would do. If I was a Laker fan and I was in 2K, I'd move one of them fools out. But then again, you'd probably be winning on 2K. Another crazy overtime game. Wolves. In Philadelphia, the D'Lo takeover, ice in his veins. Haven't seen that D'Angelo Russell since Brooklyn. The, the most impressive thing about it was he was getting it done against Matisse Thibel. He kept getting him with this little crossover right pull-up three ball. And it's funny because I was just mentioned a week or two ago, I was like, yo, D'Lo's kind of struggling to get his shot off. Maybe I wasn't giving Devin Booker enough credit defensively. I know he's improved. And then there's also the fact that Devin Booker probably knows all of D'Lo's tendencies and moves, them being good friends. But D'Lo, he went off, man. He carried them down the stretch of that game. And you can see, when you see a performance like that, you understand why there are this kind of like cult following of D'Lo fans that are believers in it. Because there's no doubt he's a big shot maker. To me, his anticipation and creativity are elite. But his motor and discipline are poor. And so it kind of, it's a catch-22. It balances itself out. That's the problem, right? But overall in this game, I thought there were two major coaching mistakes down the stretch. Andre Drummond tipped in a missed free throw to send it to overtime. I might be wrong on exactly what point of the game that was because it was, it was just, there was so many overtimes. But Drummond, uh, you know, he tips it in to, to tie the game. Here's the deal with that, though. Carl Anthony Towns had already fouled out of the game. Doc Rivers checks Embiid and Drummond in for the rebound, right? Like, okay, we got to miss this one and tip it in. There's very little time left. And Minnesota doesn't pinch the box outs. They had three guys in the paint on the free throws. You know, you watch like high school, college, right? If there's a big, you're going to send two on them and pinch them. And so Minnesota treated it like a normal box out. And sure enough, they get smoked for the tipping and we end up in overtime. And then late, Philly had one last possession, one last shot. It was great to see Joel back. And playing, he was a monster. I think he shot, he shot a ton of free throws, man. That's why Towns had fouled out. But they have one last chance to inbound the ball to Embiid. He catches it 22 feet from the basket. Now, I'm assuming that's what Embiid wants. I know he likes to face up and, and do all this pretty shit and act like he's a guard. But that's where if you're Doc Rivers, you have to veto that. In that scenario, you have to have Embiid catch the ball with at least one foot in the paint, preferably two. And so he catches it 22 from, feet from the basket. Anthony Edwards draped all over him. You know, that kid shows no fear, and he didn't even really get a shot off. And the Timberwolves get one in overtime in Philadelphia. D'Lo, I mean, he, he just, it was good to see him kind of explode and have one of those moments because it's been so long. I think we've, I personally am like, I don't know if he's that guy. I don't know if he has that in him anymore because um, it, it's been so long since we've seen it. He had a couple big performances for the Warriors a couple years ago. Third overtime game, Hornets 
Rockets. And I must say that this game was very much like that Lakers-Kings game in the sense of it was just like, who wants to win this game? There was mistake after mistake. There was a play to kind of put the game away. Houston could have scored and kind of put it away. And uh, who stole it? I forget who stole it. It might have been a Martin or somebody. But there was an entry pass to Christian Wood, and it was stolen. And then they went back to the, the studio. This was on NBA TV. Channing Fry and the guys were killing I believe it was Michael Porter Jr. who tried to make the entry pass. They were like, you cannot throw a bounce pass in that scenario. You cannot do it. But to me, Woods looked like he got bumped off the ball like a bitch. Like Woods in his his slight frame. To me, I thought it was just as much Woods' fault for not protecting the pass. Because the angle and where he was stationed at on the floor, to throw it high, I, I think there would have been some, I think it would have been a problem as well, is the way I'll put it to you. But there was just mistake after mistake with execution, there was a terrible pass and crash call on LaMelo Ball in that game where he had jumped in the air. He was already coming down. He was like a split second from touching the ground, and it was lat. It was it was horizontally, and they took away a basket there late. That was a tough call. I think we can all agree that's the next call that they have to do away with or readjust. How they go about that, I don't know. I was trying to, you know, rack my brain. Could you perhaps use the dotted? Never mind the restricted circle. Anything below the dotted can't be a pass and crash. Or perhaps just the timing of the ball. If the ball leaves the passer's fingertips, then you, you, it can't be a charge. I don't know. I don't know. I know that there would be some probably bad calls within that. But this way is just, there's just too many bad calls like that. But ultimately, it was a healthy Eric Gordon and Christian Wood, the two vets for this Rockets team, that got them their second win. Remember, they smoked Chicago's boots the other day. I don't even know what happened in that one, but they may have possibly saved young Paul Silas Jr.'s job, who apparently is on, on the chopping block already because they had lost, what, 15 in a row? So they win two in a row. I was rooting for them. You don't want to see a young team get beaten down like that, right? How about Suns and Nets? Suns on the end of this East Coast road trip. The headline is James Harden was getting booed. He was getting booed in Brooklyn. And then after the game, he had some interesting quotes where he essentially said, I'm having a hard time determining when I should look for my own offense, create for others. He doesn't know, you know, when to attack and, and, and when to create and balancing that. To me, here's what I think is happening. Kevin Durant's presence doesn't allow Harden to be Harden. And what I mean by that is, is when you think about Houston James Harden, just unconscious. He was able to jack up any shot whenever he wanted because he was the end-all, be-all. It was everything revolved around him. And now you put him on this Brooklyn team, and in good conscience, he can't just jack up any shot because he looks over and he's got the greatest scorer of his generation on, on his team. And so it's within his head. Like, he, he doesn't, again, and you could point and say, well, well, they had Russ in Houston, they had CP, but they came after. What, what was done was done. It was already James's team. It was already his show. So he never, I guarantee you, when he was in a Rockets jersey, he never thought, like, should I take this shot? Is this a bad shot? No, nah, it was the ultra green light. And now with Durant alongside him, not that Nash or Durant's not telling him to, to take what he wants to take. It's within him. He knows he probably shouldn't take some of these shots with Durant on the floor. And now we're seeing this hesitant James Harden because we can talk about being in shape or out of shape. The dude's never been in shape. Let's keep it a buck. So I think that that's interesting, man. But uh, yeah, we'll see how he adjusts to that. I think it's only on him to figure that out. Knicks beat the Atlanta Hawks little bit of a revenge game as the Knicks are trying to, they're hovering around 500. 
Nick fans, y'all got to be disappointed. Y'all got to be disappointed. And I will say this. I will preference this with the understanding that I don't watch every Knicks game, okay? I check in on them. I, I've catched some games here and there. But it seems to me the less Julius, the better. Like, he needs to fall back, right? The strength of this team is its depth. And look, if he has a good matchup and he's hot, fine, ride him. But, you know, I just, I think that they ask him to do too much. He tries to do too much. And when they spread out the attack and they're less predictable, I think that that's when they're at their best. Bogey Bogdanovich goes down for the Hawks. He's going to be out several weeks. Hawk fans, are y'all having a little buyer's remorse with Red Velvet, Kevin Herter? I mean, the deal seemed fine. Four years, 65 mil, right, for the extension. But do you know his numbers, right? Let me give you his numbers 20 games into the season. Nine points per game, three boards, two assists, and 35% from three. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's not getting he's not getting the opportunity again. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. Maybe with Bogdanovich out for a few weeks, Herter can flourish with more opportunity. But I just keep an eye on that. He's talk, talk about buyer's remorse, though. New York fans, uh, Fournier, Fournier, man, he got to he got to get going as well. I think that would alleviate some of their problems. <laughs> Moving on to the Warriors, who keep on winning over the weekend. They spanked the Blazers. When was it? Friday. You already know the deal with that. That's. That is one of the more inevitable things that's going to happen when those two teams play. You almost feel bad for Dame and them. Um, explain this to me about Portland. You have this undersized backcourt that's just a bucket in Dame and CJ, right? And so what do you do? You go get an undersized small forward in Norman Powell, who's a bucket. And you, you look at that roster construction. That's when you watch it, right? Like, why why would you extend Norm? Why would you trade for Norman Powell and extend him? It doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't get that at all. I know I've brought that up a couple times, but every time I watch them play and struggle, it's just like, oh man, I, I don't understand that. It's time. It's time to make the deal. Let me bring this up. And I asked, I asked my patrons after the breakdown. I was like, who who would y'all trade? Who what would you do to fix this, right? And the obvious move is the Ben Simmons trade, right? Let me ask you all this, though. Ben Simmons and Maxi for Dame, is that too much? Is that a fair trade? You know, Dame, he is shooting the ball better. He's shot the ball better the last, you know, 10 days or so. But what I'm watching and what I'm looking at is a dude who is entering a, 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 a different phase in his career in Damian Lillard. That's what I see. And that's not to say that he's not going to be an all-star caliber point guard. This is just phase two here. This is no longer prime Dame can give you 50. So does, is that deal still available? Is Philly still thirsty for Dame after this start and what he looks like? And could you get Maxi as well as Ben enough for, for Portland? Because you, you get you get Maxi and Ben, I think Portland would listen. But again, is Philly still as interested as they once were? Moving back to the Warriors, it, it was light work, like it always is against Portland, right? And then Yesterday afternoon, they go into Los Angeles against this Clippers team. And again, I'm glad I'm not betting because I could have sworn this was the one they were going to take in hell. Clippers kind of underrated, under the radar, play good defense, right? Early start in L.A. And then with this, these Suns games on the horizon this week, I just felt like, oh, okay, they're going to get caught slipping here, right? And I think they just keep showing us signs of greatness. They really do. And, you know, you can say, oh, you're a, you're a homer. Al, of course. No, I mean, I'm just telling you what I see. I'll tell you. If they look bad, I'll tell you that. Those of you that have been following me long enough know I try to keep it objective as I can, understanding that I can't. You feel me? But, like, they're showing signs of greatness. Never mind what the metrics say or the strength of schedule. 
Again, the context. If you go and you watch the different ways they're winning games, it's just dominant. It's dominant. And yesterday afternoon in that that second half, right, this Clippers team, what was this, Harkenstein, Wolfenstein, whatever he was, he poked the bear a little bit, right? And then the refs did, and then it was over. It was just a a death blow. And we've seen it time and time again in different ways. Even when they don't play good, they still smoke teams. So that's a spooky thing, right? It's a spooky thing. As far as the Clippers go, you know, I don't know. I, I would guess Kawhi doesn't come back if you just look at his history of how he treats his body. And you just look, they have too many reluctant scores. They're good defensively, right? But you look at Serge Ibaka, Luke Kennard, Eric Bledsoe. All these guys are just reluctant to shoot and score the ball. Some of them for good reason, Eric Bledsoe. But Kennard and Serge, like they've got to put pressure on the defense offensively. They're asking Paul George to do too much. Let's wrap things up with some unfortunate news. Ja Morant goes down. The good news is no ligament damage. He should only be out a few weeks. What happened was it was really, what made it spooky was it was kind of a non-contact injury. It wasn't some big dunk he was trying to complete or some awkward landing. It looked like his foot, his shoe caught an edge and his knee just slightly tweaked. It's really even hard to see where and when it happened. But what was spooky was the way he reacted and how he had to leave the court. Because you know Ja ain't for the play play. Like he's not going to milk an injury. And so... That's tough, man. That's tough the way he started this season. And you look at how competitive the West is going to be in that that bottom tier there. If he's out like a month, man, they could really fall behind. You look at Minnesota climbing, the Kings trying to do something here. So maybe it's an opportunity for Jaron Jackson Jr. to earn his keep. So we'll keep that monitored. And then the final bit of news is the Milwaukee Bucks are going to sign DeMarcus Cousins. Now, what that really speaks to is how bad the back injury is for Brooke Lopez. I remember it was op- opening night. I was watching him try to get up and down the court. I was like, damn, something's really wrong with him. Either that or he got a boo-boo. And it just, it, he didn't look right. And so you question if he should have even been out there on opening night. I don't know. But, you know, it's good for Boogie. I think that you want to talk about ring chasing. Damn, Boogs. But, hey, get it how you can, right? This is the Hezzy brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, Joe.